Warning, this podcast features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello again, Nightmare Society, and welcome to another episode of True Horror Stories. Let's give a big thanks to our contributors, Anonymous, User Black Cat 1206, User The Marmo, User Bradley Innovates YT, and User N League P. And of course, I'd like to welcome our newest member of the online campfire, Tresa, or Teresa. I'm sure both of those are wrong, but you know who you are. And thanks so much for joining. We're glad to have you. And for all of you who aren't aware, Nightmare Society is a weekly podcast. We distribute every Thursday, and it's available pretty much on any podcast app you can find. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. So don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can get episode notifications. And uh, don't forget to follow us on YouTube as well. Now... Get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. freshman in college and my spring break started. Instead of going to some crazy beach, I'm spending my week off at home. Because winter ended so early, I found myself mowing lawns about a month earlier than usual. I drove to an elderly woman's house to mow. I had been cutting yards for four years now. I used to live down the street from her, but I had since moved away. I kept the job because mowing is great money for little work. She had been diagnosed with cancer and has not been doing well, in and out of the hospital and such. So I knew how to let myself into the garage through the back to open the garage door. I did a once-over around the outside of the house, picking up sticks and lifting downspouts. I even threw a muddy Nerf football back into the neighbor's yard. I went back into the front yard, and it was just a beautiful day outside. I had lived here for my whole childhood, so I stood out in the driveway, taking it all in. There was a couple playing tennis on a court, and a few people were by their cars in the parking lot to the park, and everything else was so peaceful and quiet. A perfect afternoon. I didn't think anything like this would happen. I saw my old next-door neighbors outside, and being the socially awkward penguin that I am, I wanted to avoid conversation. I pulled the cord and started the mower on the second try, popped my headphones in and pushed it into the backyard. It was a big backyard, with three trees, two gardens, and an oddly shaped bench that was extremely hard to maneuver around. I was at least used to these things, having dealt with them for years. 
and I was just getting into my groove when I saw a kid out of the corner of my eye. He was just standing there in the backyard. I don't know how long he had been there, or how he had even made his way in without me seeing him. I jumped, as I was not used to ever being disturbed while mowing. I pulled my headphones out, and he just looks at me from across the yard. He looked pretty normal from where I was standing. It seemed a little hot to be wearing jeans and a sweatshirt, but I didn't think anything of it. He was a boy, looked to be about 13 years old, but I'm horrible with guessing ages. I looked at him for a couple of seconds before I realized he isn't going to say anything this far away, so I reluctantly turned off the mower. My senses were already working overtime, besides the ringing in my ears. When the kid asks, Can you help us? Us? I think to myself, there's more than one? I get butterflies in my stomach because my keys, wallets, and my cell phone were left out in the garage. I wanted to reduce my pocket weight. I hurried to the front and there was a second boy there, younger than the first by a few years. He did not move his feet and just kept his eyes on me. I honestly didn't care about how they were standing or looking. I made a beeline for my valuables, and I made sure nothing was taken. I turned around with everything sorted out in my pockets and almost jumped again. They had closed in on me and were looking up at me. That's when I saw that they had those freaking black eyes. I felt so small. So mortal. Those eyes. That's all it took for me to realize I was not as in charge as I thought I was. Can you help us? The older boy asks. We're thirsty, and our dad wants to know where we are. My head is just spinning. I've read these stories before, and I know what they're up to, but I can't hide. It's not my house. There's a water fountain just across the street, and you can use my cell phone if you want. I already know what they're going to say. Just please let us inside. We've been outside all day, and we are very thirsty. You need to let us in. I said no. I was trying hard not to look them in the eyes. I knew I shouldn't but I wanted to learn more. I wanted to describe them, so I just caught a glimpse of the little ones. Pitch black, unblinking. I immediately thought I could hear his voice in my head even though I had never heard it. It was almost as if I was arguing with myself. I was fighting the voice as I was slowly taking steps back into the garage. The kids did not move forward. They didn't say anything else. They just stared, and I kept walking, one foot at a time. Finally, I was close enough to hit the button to close the garage door. I could see their feet, unmoving as the door slowly closed down completely, forcing me into darkness. For about three seconds, I was relieved that I escaped. Then I realized I'm trapped. I can't get into the main part of the lady's house, and I can't go back out in the front. 
The only option is to leave through the back door that's always left unlocked, the one I came in through. I quickly check for what I came with when I realize that my keys, which I clearly remember stuffing into my pocket earlier, are now in the palm of my hand. It dawns on me that I can't even remember it, but I almost gave them the keys. My keys. This is too much for me to handle, and the darkness of the garage is not helping at all. So I open the door and let some sunlight wash over me. I felt so happy. It left me unprepared for what happened next. I closed the door and turned the corner to make my way to the front, and the oldest was alone blocking my path. I asked nicely, let us in. I spun around and bolted into the backyard. I didn't look back to see if I was being chased. I ran past the tree, past the mower I had left out, and I knew that the little one would be ready to meet me around the corner. Sure enough, he was there, and this side yard was more narrow than the first. I put on a burst of speed and knocked the kid down. I was about to feel bad until he tried to bite my hand and I pushed him. The little jerk tried to bite me. I ran for a few more strides, so close to my car parked on the street, when I stopped. There was no traffic. Nobody had called my name. There was no reason for me to stop. Except I did. The little boy was crying. I had never heard somebody cry like that. It was crystal clear, like it was coming from my headphones. I turned around and he was sitting up, sobbing. I wanted to walk back and help him, to apologize. I wanted to open the garage and find a way in the house to let them use the phone. I wanted to do everything in my power to help him. Let us in. We need the house, he said through tears almost brainwashed a second time by an eight-year-old. I couldn't believe it. I shook it off one last time and ran to my car. I locked all the doors and didn't look back until I was off onto a different street. I called the lady's house to tell her I had not finished and I could be back tomorrow. Thankfully, she must have not been home. At least, she didn't answer. We were about eight or nine the day Mom took Elle and I over to the Heath. It was a hot and bright day in the middle of the summer holidays. We had been collecting natural materials to make a collage when we got home, and Mom's rucksack was full of stray feathers, wild grasses, leaves, and twigs, and we were on our way home where Grand was making a cheese flan and salad for dinner. As we were all very hot and slightly tired, Mom had decided that we would wade through the river instead of going back over the hills the way we had come. The thought of pushing my tiny wheelchair through the muddy-bottomed, weed-tangled river never seemed to faze my mom. She was a healthy, fit 26-year-old and knew the heath like the back of her hand. 
The river wasn't very deep at that part, so Mom tipped my wheelchair back and told Elle to hold on to the handle, and we went in. The water immediately soaked our clothes through, and Elle and I started to scream, giggle, and splash each other in sheer delight. Then we saw them. Weeds? Flowing with the current of the river, swaying back and forth like a woman's long, tangled, unkempt hair and I caught the distinct impression that what we saw could have been either thing. I glanced at Elle and instantly knew that she was having the same uncanny notion. The weeds started to curl around our legs and the wheels of my wheelchair, making our progress a little more laborious, and our previous screams of playful fun changed to moans and squeals of unease and disgust as we felt the supposed weeds gently tugging at our legs. At no point did mom ever look anxious or phased by this experience. She just kept saying, It's only water weeds, you two. Come on, don't be silly. You've seen them loads of times. We finally reached the other side of the river, and as mom dragged my wheelchair backwards up the riverbank, Elle climbed up it and sat down beside me. We both just stared silently at the river and the sea of green for what felt like the longest time, but in actual fact was only 10 minutes maybe, before walking the rest of the way home. That night, after a hot bubble bath and cheese flan salad in our flannel pajamas and slipper socks around the fire drinking hot tea, we told Gran about our adventure. Our grand took a sip of tea from her mug and told us the story of green hair. She had been a real person, though her real name had been forgotten by Gran, conveniently, Elle and I thought. Anyway, she had lived in the village around 1912, before the area was built up and modernized and developed into what it has become. She was young and kind, with a pretty face and beautiful long hair a daughter of a gentleman farmer, and was deeply in love with a handsome young soldier. They were to get married, but before they could, the Great War broke out, and her young man was called up to fight. He was killed by a hand grenade on the front line, and when she found out, she was widowed before she'd even become a wife. She lost the will to live, and driven by grief-stricken insanity, she went into the same river that we waded through and threw herself in. The river was as wild as the land at the time, and by the time her body was discovered, it was blue, bloated, and half-eaten by fish. Her long, corn-colored hair had become interwoven with the slimy algae and long strands of evil-smelling river weeds, which clogged and choked the bed of the river. In fact, the pathologist who performed the post-mortem said that the body may have been found sooner, if not for the dark green weeds that appeared to have curled around her limbs and torso, anchoring her corpse to the riverbed for days. From that time onwards, it was said that the river was haunted, cursed, or both. Anyway, an extremely bad place. People claimed to see the spirit of the young woman kneeling beside the river and weeping bitterly. More commonly, people often saw the body of the girl floating on top of the water, 
with long green hair slash weeds streaming out behind her. And so she was given the name of Green Hair. Hell and I asked Gran why we hadn't heard this story before. Gran just smiled and said because it was an age ago, even before she herself was born and moved into the area. The area was developed and built up and the river was tidied up and reconstructed. And along with it, the tragic tale of green hair was lost in the stream of passing time. We didn't altogether believe Grant's morbid tale, but when Elle and I talked about it in bed that night, neither of us could dismiss the eerie feeling that we saw green hair flowing in the river that day. Hi, I'm Lance Ingram, and in my new podcast, Yesterday's Concert, I open the pages of my personal jam journal to take you on a live music odyssey. Part concert review, part memoir, Yesterday's Concert is a unique love letter to live music. Through thumping bass and screeching guitar riffs, these stories will bring the excitement of live music to your podcast feed. Check out Yesterday's Concert wherever you get your podcast or at yesterdaysconcert.com. This story occurred probably close to 20 years ago. My brother and I were camping at a little spot called Lulworth Creek, just outside of our hometown of Charters Towers, which sits a couple of hours west of Townsville in North Queensland. The spot we were at was a well-kept secret at the time, a tiny little patch of paradise where the water from the creek flowed over some rocks and then opened up into a beautiful water hole. A great spot for camping. Just up the road a ways was Echo Hole, which any Australians out there may know of. So the day went by mostly uneventful. We swam, we cooked, we drank, we ate. You know, the usual. As it was winter at the time, the sun started disappearing around 7, so we lit up the campfire and started to settle in for the night. About an hour later was when we heard weird things start happening. It started with the fire. Now, we were pretty experienced campers. We knew how to build a fire, obviously, and we knew how to build one to last the night, which is why we were surprised, dumbfounded, and more than a little scared when we walked away to grab some things out of the car and returned to find that the fire had completely gone out. It was not a rainy day. The fire was nowhere near the water's edge, and it was not humid in any way. The air was hot and dry, and the firewood we were using was dry as a bone. There's no logical reason that this campfire should have extinguished so that was weird occurrence number one. More than a little weird, but easy enough to brush off. Occurrence number two came about a little while later. We were sitting around the fire that we had since got going again, just sitting enjoying the peace and quiet. Now, this is noteworthy, as it was deafeningly quiet, as I said. The spot was a well-kept secret. No one, and I mean no one, was anywhere within about 20 kilometers of us, and we would have heard them approaching from far away if they were. Suddenly, breaking the silence, we heard in the darkness the unmistakable sound of someone, 
yes, someone, jumping into the water hole. This one freaked us the heck out. Not just weird, not just a little spooky. No, this was one of those moments where you feel absolutely gripped and immobilized by stone-cold fear rushing through your entire body. Because what came next would make the initial sound seem like child's play, about ten meters from us or less, the dank, wet sound of footsteps running through the scrub, now on our side of the waterhole. I've played this through in my mind many times throughout the years. I've attempted to come up with any possible explanation as to what could have happened, but I swear to God there was no one there. And yet, someone was there. After this occurrence, we immediately began packing up the car. Important note here, as we were packing up, we had all of the car doors open to make it easier to load everything up. That becomes relevant in a moment. As we're walking back to the tent to start packing up, out of nowhere the entire thing just shifts sideways, as if a huge gust of wind blew into it. More disturbingly, something or someone ran into it. There was no wind that night. I mean, the air was completely still. Just like the campfire from earlier, there was no logical reason this should have happened. At this point, we thought to hell with the tent. We'll get a new one. We're out of here. And this was the point at which the final occurrence of the evening took place and sent us barreling out of there as fast as our little Ford laser could take us. The car was parked sideways on an angle. The doors that were still open were on the side that was slanted down and opened all the way, so gravity was keeping the doors open. In an instant, with no wind, no breeze, no anything around... Those doors slammed shut. That was it. Perhaps I can look back on this now and question it with a logical mind, but in that moment there was no question in our minds that we were being antagonized by something, some otherworldly force, the intentions of which we had no clue, and certainly were not sticking around to find out. We jumped in the car and tore out of there. To this day, I have never gone back to that water hole. Ever. And I probably never will. Like I said, there's a million and one logical explanations I could come up with looking back on it. But, in my heart, I just know that every one of those is wrong. Bradley. I'm somewhat of an adrenaline junkie. To get this fix of adrenaline, I would go out in search of nothing in particular and just hope something happens. Sometimes I get more than I wanted. This is one of those stories with the exception that I wasn't seeking adrenaline at the time. 
be warned that some of the events in this story may be disturbing for the faint of heart. Continue at your own risk. So it was on October 14th, 2010. I used to live on a decently sized property in the mountains of northwestern Georgia. I loved it up there. So many places to wander off to and so many places to have a little hideout. It was the day before my uncle's birthday. Me and him wanted to go out to our favorite hangout spot, which we called the broccoli tree. In a nutshell, it was an uprooted tree with a hole big enough to fit a couple of chairs and some other things where the roots had been. We did some modifications and put our tarp over it so we could stay there even if it rained. So me and my uncle are walking out there to the tree which is about a good 15 minute walk from the front porch of the house. As soon as we break into the tree line, we start messing around and pushing each other playfully without a care in the world. We had walked out to the tree so many times we could find it in the pitch black darkness, so we weren't really that afraid. I sort of had this feeling that we were being watched, but I just shrugged it off a little and just kept walking. Skip forward a little bit to our arrival at the tree. Nothing seemed out of place, so we went inside and sat down. He started to talk about specific things and what he had seen out hunting and things like that. Then he mentioned a skinwalker. Confused, I asked him what it was and he broke it down so I could understand. He said that they were half man, half beast, that could shapeshift. I laughed at this and asked him if he had been playing too much Diablo recently, not thinking he was serious at all. He looked me in the eyes with a dead serious look on his face and says he saw one while he was hunting. My excitement immediately turned to fear as I remember that I felt something watching us on the way to the tree. I told him I had a feeling we were watched, and he said he felt it too. We started listening closely to see if we could hear anything outside the tree, but everything was silent. We both looked at each other and decided we were going to leave. We emerged from the tree and he tells me to jump onto his back so he could run. I do so and the moment I was on his back and he had a tight grip, we heard something from behind us. I go to turn around and look to see what it was, but my uncle told me not to. Then he started running to the house in almost pitch black darkness with something chasing after us. I could hear its footfalls behind us and heavy breathing. It was getting louder as if it was getting closer. I scream faster at my uncle and he starts dead ass sprinting through the woods. Then the front porch light comes into view through the trees and I say there it is. Then my uncle trips over himself, and we both catch air. I was flung a little higher, so I landed closer to the house than he did. I looked back at him, and he screamed at me to run and not to worry about him. I didn't listen, of course. I ran over to help him up when something hit me square in the chest, knocking me back. Don't look! My uncle screams. I wish I would have listened. I look up to see a man with a dog-like head and glowing, solid, white eyes. My uncle tries to scurry away from it, but it grabs him and picks him up to his feet and stares into his eyes. Then came a gunshot. 
The beast tosses my uncle into a tree and scurries away, frightened. That's when my other uncle comes up from behind me and helps my uncle off the ground. I slowly stand up and wipe myself off and ask what that thing was. The uncle that was with me says only one word, Skinwalker. Then all three of us go back up to the house. A couple of days later, the uncle that was with me was deployed overseas to Korea for the army. We tried to forget, but we just couldn't seem to get it off our minds. One night, I woke up at about 4am because of a dream I had. Of it. I rubbed my eyes and let them adjust to the low levels of light and see the two glowing eyes again, right outside my window. I grabbed the flashlight I had in my room for late night bathroom runs and shined it at the window. Within a few seconds, the skinwalker ran away and I have yet to see him again. To this day, both of my uncles have not spoken a word about this and refuse to speak about it. Before I was born, my mom would dream about aliens. More specifically, she would usually dream about the spaceships. After I was born, my mom started to dream that the aliens wanted to take me. She would always be upset in the dream, but apparently the people around her would tell her it's okay. She has to go. Fast forward a couple of years, and I'm around 12 years old. My mom wakes up in the middle of the night, feeling like she can't go back to sleep. She goes to the window and looks out. I wasn't there, so I can't corroborate this, but she says she saw a light in the sky zip from side to side, making no noise. Then it hovered over the house across the street for a while. Supposedly, it was there long enough for her to wake up my stepdad so he could come look. He admitted to seeing it at the time but didn't want to talk about it later. He was a very no-nonsense, very skeptical person. Anyway, it eventually shot up and out of sight. Maybe this is nothing. Who knows? So then a few years later, I have the first alien-related dream that I can vividly remember. I was at my grandpa's house in this clearing, staring up at the sky at night, waiting for something. Then the sky turns purple, and a massive spaceship comes over the clearing. It's all black with light coming from windows around the sides of it. I run to my car and the dream ends. Maybe a year after that, I woke up and there were two perfectly cut triangles in my sheets. These were brand new flannel sheets I had been given at Christmas. I still keep that sheet because it freaks me out. Maybe there was a flaw in the fabric from the beginning and it just ripped. It felt odd, though, especially when I learned that many people report triangular body markings after an abduction. Then the strangest dream happens at about 19 or 20 years old. 
I was walking downtown when all of a sudden I was lifted into the air and my body started to shake and vibrate. Kind of like a cartoon character when they get electrocuted. I flew through the air like this for a while and then I was dropped off at my back porch. I was yelling but no sound came out and then I looked down at my hand and there was a piece of metal and some wire sticking out so I ripped it out of my hand and the dream ended. Although there was no specific alien content in the dream, I woke up thinking, oh my gosh, aliens. It felt so real, as if I was conscious through the dream. The last odd occurrence was about three years ago. My mom started dating a guy and they were talking one night when he said, I think you know what your one fear is. And my mom was like, okay. And he says, you're afraid your daughter will be abducted by aliens. So my mom is shook, obviously. And he says, don't be afraid. They always bring her back, don't they? Still, to this day, my mom will not share the whole conversation with me. As a reminder, please head over to Instagram and follow us at Nightmare Society Radio. And check us out on YouTube. The link should be in the description. Um, Otherwise, just search Nightmare Society and uh, you should see the right one pop up relatively early. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time.